This morning we come to part five of our series on the amazing grace of God and all of the benefits that come with his grace towards us. And we've talked a lot about how because of Christ, his grace is manifested to us and that we are chosen, we're accepted, we're loved by God and we're forgiven by God. But we want to take that a little further now and look at this next reality is that through the grace of God, you are sanctified. And let's begin this morning by looking at the work of ongoing sanctification. The ongoing sanctification that is a part of our lives as believers. Sanctification is simply a fancy theological word for being made holy, being made more like Christ in that process that we go in throughout our lives. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. It says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence. Work on your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Several great truths in there, but I'm going to focus on a couple in particular. First of all, in verse 12, where it says, work on your own salvation. Your translation might say, work out your own salvation. And this is a word that means to perform, to implement it. I like to think of it as sunscreen, where you squirt a little bit of sunscreen into your hands and you you work at all of your arms and your neck and your head and for some of us all over the head and you just work that sunscreen everywhere to protect every part of you from the sun. So it's it's given there in a little glob and now you've got to work it out and apply it. And that's the same thing that Paul's saying here to Philippians about sanctification, that God is working in us, that he's given us the Holy Spirit, and now we're called to work out our salvation, to apply our salvation to every area of life. And it's a process that goes on through our entire lives as God continually shows us areas. You know, when you put on sunscreen, maybe you turn to your spouse or a friend and and make sure you've got it everywhere covered and all that you don't have big white streaks all over you and you make sure that it's fully applied and God is continually showing us areas where we need to work out that salvation in our lives but it tells us to work out our salvation work on our salvation in a specific way it says with fear and trembling and this is one of those concepts of God that we're called to have a fear and a trembling before God that sometimes we can misunderstand. That it's not a fear and trembling in terms of being afraid of God in that you don't want to draw near to God, but there's a reverence toward God. Just as we have a reverence toward electricity. We don't think of it as reverence, but that's basically what it is. Every one of us, my guess is, because we're not living in an Amish community, utilize electricity to one degree or another. We're utilizing electricity just being here this morning. But hopefully all of us learned at some point in our lives not to grab a fork out of the drawer and just start poking it into electrical outlets. Because doing so has dire consequences. We respect electricity, we utilize electricity, but we have a reverence for it. We don't play around with it. It's one of the reasons I I will work on a lot of things around the house, but I do not like working with electricity. I want like all the breakers off, the main breaker cut off. I want the entire street to be cut off of power before I do anything electrical. Because I know the consequences. And and Paul's saying as we work out our salvation, as we apply our salvation, he says, have a reverence about it. 
Don't be flippant about it. Don't start just poking a fork into electrical outlets. Have a seriousness about this. This isn't a joke. It's not a laughing matter. It's nothing to be taken lightly. But God has called us with a reverence for him to take seriously the work of applying our salvation to the entirety of our lives. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling is a word that's used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts his ability completely to meet all requirements, but religiously does his utmost to fulfill his duty. So not only are we have that reverence as we work on our salvation, apply our salvation, but he also says to have this awareness that we are unfit for that. It's not a task that we can do. We're not able to, I mean, think about the reality that God has called us to become like Christ. And the work of sanctification is the work of making us like Christ. Now, to what extent can we make ourselves like Christ? We can't. It takes Jesus himself to make us like himself. And so he goes on in verse 13, For it is God who is at work in you. God is the one putting forth the power, putting forth everything necessary to make us like Christ. Through his spirit, by his power, by his presence, God is the one who is doing this. So is it us applying it or is it God applying it? We'll get into that. But it's God who is at work in us, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And the word for will there means a desire and intention. In other words, what Paul is saying, is not only is it God the one who is doing salvation in you, but even your desire to grow in your spiritual life, your desire to love Jesus, to become like Jesus, that in and of itself is a gift from God. The fact that you even want that. Because in our sinful nature, we don't want to become like Jesus. In our sinful nature, we want to appease the flesh. But God, by his grace, has given us his spirit. He's given us the desire to become like him. And this is the ongoing work of sanctification. We are all in a process. We are all meant to keep on growing. And God has been patient with us, hasn't he? As you look back over your life, God has been very patient with each one of us. If you think about the first moment when you said yes to Jesus until today, and all of the ways that you have made a mess, the ways that I have made a mess of our spiritual growth, and God has patiently shown his grace with us through the entirety of that journey. Which raises, for me at least, the question, are we patient with others? Am I patient with others? God has, when, when I first said yes to Jesus in 1988 until today, he has patiently been at work, working out my salvation, growing me in the likeness of Christ. And sometimes the tendency is, after all those years of following Jesus, we can look back at people who are still early on in the journey. And be like, how dare you be all the way back there? How dare you be still immature in your faith? You should be where I'm at. Well, it's taken me decades to get to this point. My guess is a matter of months, someone else may not get to that same spot in life. But again, notice what Paul said in verse 12. 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean that we don't hold each other accountable. It doesn't mean that we don't encourage each other or challenge each other. But it says the primary responsibility for my spiritual growth is me in my relationship with Christ, my surrendering to Christ. Nobody else can make me draw closer to Christ. Nobody else can force me to draw closer to Christ. I can't sit back and say, I'm not growing in my walk with Christ because of this person. It's not their responsibility. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In the same way, I can't make anybody else grow in their relationship with Jesus. We can encourage and challenge and provide all, all the help necessary, but ultimately we can only work on our own salvation. Sometimes what we tend to do is, over time, we take biblical principles and God, by his spirit, takes those principles and, and helps us to apply those to life. And sometimes we take those personal convictions that God has formed in us, we take those as commands of God that everybody else needs to live out. I know a lot of people who, based on some biblical principles, have said you have to start every day with prayer. You can't pray in the afternoon. You can't pray at night. You have to start your day with God. You have to start your day in prayer. And it becomes a legalistic discipline that everybody must live up to. But then they really get annoyed with me. They're like, Jesus arose a great while before day and he prayed. It's like, yeah, but it also says after everybody else left and went to bed, he started praying. So which, which do you take? We can take biblical principles that have helped to shape us in specific ways, and we want to take those and mandate those on others. God will do that. God will work in that person just like he worked in me, just like he's worked in you. He will work on that same in others. Sanctification is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us, constantly forming us and shaping us and making us grow into the likeness of Christ. The second thing I want to see is that that growth is a gift from God. That growth, that spiritual growth is a gift from God. Second Peter 1.3, it says, His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. His divine power, God's divine power. God has power in himself to work out my salvation. And that is a gift of God's grace. The fact that God doesn't leave me where I was, but he is continually at work shaping me to the likeness of Christ is a gift from God. And he's given me everything I need, everything we need to live the life that God wants us to live. Everything we need to become like Jesus, God, by his grace, has made available to us. It's his gift to us. Think about it this way. Not only is our spiritual growth a gift from God, even the desire to grow is a gift from God. Everything about our growth is a gift from God which means I can't boast about it. I can't say, look how far I've come. Look what I've made of my spiritual life because I did nothing. Did I work out my own salvation? Yes, but only because of the, the power given by God and everything he's made available. I was somewhat passive in the process. 
It is God who's worked in us. Think about bread for a second. Think about having on your, on your oven, you have a pan of bread dough, unbaked and raw, and you have next to it a loaf of beautiful, wonderful smelling baked bread. Think about the bread for a second. Obviously, one is ideal and the other isn't there yet. That finished loaf of bread, what did it do in the process of getting baked? If anything, you can say the bread didn't ooze itself out of the oven. It allowed the heat of the oven to perform that work and the yeast did its thing inside of it. There's something there about our spiritual lives. We've been called by God to present ourselves as living sacrifices. That's the extent of our role in sanctification, is the ongoing yes to God. The ongoing yes, work in me. Yes, transform me. Yes, convict me. Yes, purify my life. But that even the desire to be in that process is a gift from God. I don't know if you've ever felt guilty. Maybe... One day this week was really chaotic, and you really didn't spend time in prayer. You never got to spend time in the scriptures. Have you ever had those kind of days, and you feel really guilty about it? Did you know that that's a good thing? The fact that you feel bad about it is a gift from God, because it shows that you desire that. And a lot of times there's people who just have the so many days go by and they just struggle to maintain this this ongoing walk with God and they feel so bad about it so convicted and but that's a good thing because it means the spirit of God is working in you the problem of our sanctification becomes when we can go days and weeks without the scriptures when we can go days and weeks without prayer days and weeks without fellowship with other believers and it doesn't phase us one bit that's when we need to become concerned because that means the Holy Spirit's not stirring inside of us. And that should be cause for concern. The problem becomes when we don't care about our spiritual growth. I've often shared in certain contexts that if I had to pick people to, to be in significant leadership in the church, and I had two different people to pick from, the first person is somebody who's spiritually mature, but they're stagnant. In other words, they've come a long way in their walk with Christ, but they've become apathetic. They're no longer seeking to grow and seeking to mature. They've just kind of arrived at a plateau and they're stuck there. The other person is less mature in Christ, but they are growing and they are hungry. I pick this person. I pick the person who maybe not be as mature, but they are hungry and growing. Because what's going to happen is give it a few months and those positions are going to shift. That person's apathy is going to further bring them down and this person's hunger is going to keep them growing stronger. What's happening in our lives? As we think about this ongoing work of sanctification, have we come to a place in our walk with Jesus where we feel like I've arrived? Or there's nothing left that needs work in me. I'm just waiting until I go to heaven. Sanctification is a lifelong journey that none of us complete until the day we see Jesus face to face. Have we lost the desire to keep growing, to keep becoming more like Christ?
Here's one final reality. Your sanctification is completed. Your sanctification is completed. And that seems to go completely against everything I've said so far. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. To the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. Destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit. Not being sanctified, sanctified. We think about all those references that the Apostle Paul makes to, you know, the saints of God in Galatia, the saints of God in Ephesus, and there's this sense of completed sanctification. That yes, in one sense, your sanctification is ongoing, but in the other sense, your sanctification is already completed because of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 22 says, He is now reconciled in his fleshly body through death so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. We are called as followers of Jesus to be in this ongoing journey of growth in holiness and righteousness. But at the same time, right now, in the sight of God, you are holy. You are blameless. You are like Jesus. You say, well, which one is it? Is it ongoing or is it completed? Yes. It's both. You have been made holy and blameless. You have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. And now God has said, live up to what is true of you positionally. Positionally in Christ, we are sanctified. We are set apart. We are holy. We are blameless. But now we need to live up to that reality and allow our lives to be conformed to that reality, to growing into what is already true of us. I think about it this way. When I was in high school, in fact, going back to fifth grade, my goal was to play lead trumpet in the high school jazz band. My high school was horrible in every sport except wrestling. Our football team, which I was on for two years, in two years we won one game. It was the only close game we played in. The other games, we were beaten quite badly. We weren't good at soccer. We weren't weren't good at basketball. We were good at music, both vocally and instrumentally. And I remember watching when I was in, even in elementary school, the high school jazz band would go to the elementary schools and perform concerts. And I remember watching that band and watching the trumpets and be like, I want to be like that. And for me, it became a guy named Tim Weaver. Tim Weaver kind of set the standard for lead players in our high school jazz band. I wanted to be like Tim Weaver. And then it was Jim Franklin. He took that post after Tim graduated. I want to be like Jim Franklin. I bought the trumpet that they both used. Tim sold the Jim. He should have sold it to another M, but sold it to a Paul. When I was a senior, I was given that mantle to play the lead trumpet part. Now, I could have done two different things. Having been given that mantle of playing the lead part in high school, I could have either become apathetic and said, I've been given what I've always dreamt of. So now I can just sit back and just do my thing. Or 
I could say, having been given this mantle, I want to live up to the title. I want to live up to those who have gone before me. I want to live up to the expectations of the lead player in this band. The fact that we are sanctified in Christ, that we have been proclaimed holy and blameless in the sight of God, can have the same impact on us. We can say, okay, great, I said yes to Jesus. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I'm going to go to heaven when I die, so I'm just going to sit and wait my time. Or we can say, through Christ, not only have I been forgiven, but because of Christ right now, in the presence of God, I am holy, I am blameless, I am sanctified in his sight. I want to live up to my standing in Christ. I want how I live to reflect who I am in Christ. I want to grow into the likeness of Christ because if I've been given the likeness of Christ by God and in his sight, all the righteousness of Christ is applied to me, I want to live up to that. I don't want to live in apathy. I don't want to just say, well, I'm going to wait my time until heaven. I want to enter into the fullness of what God desires for my life. So this work of sanctification is a gift of God to you. God is the one who sanctifies us. All he's looking for is our yes, is our putting ourselves on the altar as a sacrifice, of our being in that bread tin and saying, yes, I'll go in the oven. He does everything else. What he's looking for is the ongoing yes, the daily yes, the moment-by-moment yes to God. Yes, God, I want you to work in me. Yes, God, I want you to conform me. To take every part of life, just like we're applying that sunscreen, every part of life, yes, Jesus, I want to be like you in my relationships. Yes, Jesus, I want to be like you in my work. Yes, Jesus, I want to be like you in my hobbies. Yes, Jesus, I want to be like you in every aspect of my life. And that's going to take the entirety of our lives. But again, what God is looking for is that daily and moment by moment, yes, of surrender to him. To allow him to do that work of sanctification. Because if we don't give God the access to sanctify us, if we just stubbornly sit back, we can't look at him and say, why aren't you sanctifying me? Because the question comes back to us, why aren't you available? Why won't you surrender? Why won't you give me everything? Years ago, there's that little book that came out called My Heart, Christ Home, and it, it talks about kind of Jesus moving into our, the home of our heart and just taking up residence in every part of that house. And I love that illustration. So I think it, talks, it gives us an, an analogy of the filling of the Holy Spirit, but I think even with sanctification. Because when you receive Christ as Savior, he comes in and you allow him to sit on the sofa in the living room. But the question becomes, will you allow him to go room by room, closet by closet, drawer by drawer, and conform it to his likeness? To go into the basement, to go into the attic, and do whatever he wants to do. Are there areas of our lives where we've said, this part of my life belongs to Jesus, this part of my life belongs to me? Or have we gone to the point of saying, Jesus, not only do I give you permission to go into every room, every closet, 
every drawer, but I give you the whole house. It's yours. Do whatever you want to do in me for your glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of sanctification. Because, Lord, it's a work that we can't do. I cannot make myself more like you. It's against my very nature. But you make that possible. You've given me everything I need for life and godliness. You are the one who enables me to even desire to grow. It's your spirit that sanctifies me. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us here this morning that we would surrender. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.